right. Appreciate those songs. You know, I worship sometimes. Sometimes I raise my hands. I'm up front, so I don't know who is and who isn't. It isn't really none of my business. You know, it's how you see pleased to worship the Lord. I don't think you have to uh, by no means. But at the same time, I want to say this. I think that we as Baptists sometimes we kind of shy away from that. And um, I'm telling you, when you see Jesus, one of the first things you want to do is you want to lift your hands up. All right, I want to remind you that. When you see Jesus, you're not going to go, Jesus, you know. <laughs> All right, you're going to go, Jesus, okay? Those hands are going to fly up. So anyhow, I'm just trying to prepare for that, all right? And so uh, anyhow, it's good to be in the Lord's house uh, this morning. It really is. Turn to Romans chapter 3, and we'll get back to uh, next message on our series of biblical doctrine. We did a couple messages on prayer. May do another message or two in, in the future, just kind of jumping back and forth between uh, our prayer life and, and also uh, trying to make sure we got a good foundational uh, understanding of some Bible doctrines. We've actually covered a whole lot over the last uh, few months, and uh, we still got a few more we want to do. And I'm kind of combining some things. Um, I did a series on Bible doctrine quite a few years ago on Sunday nights. I'm kind of redoing those, and some of them I'm combining and uh, trying to make them uh, one message and and trying to shorten them up a little bit, but just give us a little bit of a a basis, a foundation of some Bible doctrine. And these are important Bible doctrines we want to talk about this morning, as all of them are, but uh, these on justification and sanctification are what we're going to talk about. And what is justification and what is sanctification? These are Bible words. These aren't just made-up words. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of, of places in theology where we make up words that describe something we believe in the Bible, uh, these aren't made up words. You know, these are biblical terms. I like biblical terms to describe Bible doctrine. And um, I think we're safe that way. And uh, so we want to define what we believe by what the Word of God says and not about what a man may say about it. And um, anyhow, with, with that said, let's jump right in here. Romans chapter 3. And we want to start with a reading of verse 24 uh, through 26. We're going to talk about justification and sanctification. And we'll talk about justification first and then sanctification. Romans 3, verse 24, says, Being justified, there's the word, freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His grace through faith to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. To define justification quickly, justification is that instantaneous, everlasting, gracious, free, judicial act of God whereby on account of the merit of Christ's blood and righteousness, a repentant, believing sinner is free from the penalty of sin, restored to God's favor, and considered as possessing the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ by virtue of all which he receives adoption as a child. Wow, if you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, 
That's you. You are justified in the sight of God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us this morning, Lord, as we seek to look at these two teachings in the Word of God of justification and sanctification. I pray, Lord, that it would be more than just a, a doctrine that we believe, but we would see, Lord, how wonderful and glorious it is for us as your people to be justified in your sight. And then, Lord, because of that justification, we are able to pursue a life of sanctification. Help us to understand those differences this morning and to apply them to our life, not just to believe in what they are, but to live in the reality, to rejoice in that justification and, and to live in thanksgiving a life of sanctification. In Jesus' name we pray, and amen. God, first of all, is the sole author of justification. When it comes to our justification in the sight of God, man has nothing to do with justification simply but to receive that by faith that even the Holy Spirit enables him to exercise. You know, when I was first saved, I did not understand what the word justified or justification meant. Uh, I remember when the Lord saved me and I had read in the parable of, of the Pharisee and the publican and when he said about the, the publican that this man went down to his house justified, I did not know what that meant. But that's when the Lord saved me. And I just remember thinking, I don't know what that is, but you could tell that Jesus said it was a good thing, and that's what I need, and that's what I want. And so I did not understand what that word meant at first. All I knew is I was trusting in Jesus. Uh, justification speaks of our judicial standing before God. It is a legal term whereby God, as our judge, declares that we are right and righteous in His sight. And so it's a legal position before God. Now I want to get into, first of all, the cause and ground of our justification. The cause and ground of our justification. Now, theologically, there is a difference of meaning between the cause and ground of our justification. Uh, the, the ground, uh, as used here, means foundation. So what is the foundation or basis upon which something rests for our justification? Well, first of all, the love of God is, if you would, the cause, okay? Which gives us His ability to be justified. It's because of His love which gives rise to His grace and mercy in the cause of our justification. In other words, if He doesn't love us, we can never be justified. Whereas the death of Christ and the atonement of Christ upon a cross of Calvary, Calvary is the ground of our justification. In other words, love alone could not have done it. It is the motivator, but it is not what secures it, okay? It, the ground of our justification is different than the cause of our justification. Now, it's important to understand this, that God could not ground our salvation simply on the merit of love alone. He could not do that because love of itself could not overlook our sinfulness from a holy and righteous God. You understand that? So love alone does not secure the salvation. It is the actions of that love that God had in sending His Son to die on the cross that secures the salvation for us. The justice of God 
had to be satisfied, making it necessary that love provide a righteous basis for our, our salvation. So out of love, out of love, God sent His Son to die that He might save sinners and yet at the same time remain a just God. God must remain just. In other words, God, a lot of people think of God, well, God's a loving God, so He's just going to let everybody go to heaven. God is a just God. Son, sin must be punished. And God cannot justify us and remain just without our sins being punished. In verse 26 of Romans 3, it says, To demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier. God must remain just in all of this. And to just love us and just let sin go. So I just love them, so I'm just going to bring them uh, to, to my eternal abode forever. God would then be unjust. The justice of God had to be satisfied, making it necessary, making it necessary that God provide a righteous basis for our salvation. So the ground of our reconciliation, of being made right with God, uh, is the propitiation, the, the work made by Jesus Christ. His blood on the cross is the ground whereby God meets us at His mercy seat where we can now be accepted in the Beloved. Our justification, our righteous standing legally before a holy and just God is found and grounded in the person, the work of redemption of Jesus Christ. His love moved Him to do that, but it had to be done for us to be just. So when we are justified, also know this, that it's not just simply the removal of guilt. In other words, God isn't just removing our sins away. But by faith in Jesus Christ, not only are our sins removed away, we have given unto us or translated unto us or imputed unto us the righteousness of Christ. That's a glorious thing. In Romans 3 and verse 22, it says, Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. I have upon me, through faith in Jesus Christ, His righteousness. I love what C.H. Spurgeon said about this. He says, when God accepts a sinner, He is in fact accepting Christ. He looks into the sinner's eyes and He sees His own dear Son's image there and He takes Him in. I like that. As, as I think about that, I think about how that, that, what a beautiful picture that is. If you can just see that a little bit that Spurgeon gives. Sometimes you can actually look into someone's eyes and you can see what they're looking at. As we look at Christ, when God looks into our eyes, if we're looking at Christ, He sees Christ. I love that image. So when God looks at me, He's looking at who I look at, if you would. And He sees Jesus Christ. Where are you looking this morning? To be justified. What are you trusting in to make you right and holy and just in the sight of God? Are you clinging to the fact that you're trying to be good? Listen, you cannot be good enough. Are you clinging to the fact that, that you are better than how the world is? That's not good enough. You must be completely 
righteous in the sight of God in order to go to heaven. Completely righteous. None of us measure to that. Matter of fact, Romans 3 earlier says, in verse, uh, earlier says, there is none righteous, no, not one. None of us meet that mark. All have sinned and come short. We've missed the mark of the glory of God. All of us have failed. Even after we've come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have failed. We are not perfect in righteousness of our own. But through faith in Jesus Christ, I am justified in the sight of God, as though I have not sinned. I like saying like this, when we're justified, it's just as if I had never sinned. That's how God sees us legally. Now the means of justification is that faith that we mentioned I turn to Acts chapter uh, 13. Acts chapter 13 and verse uh, 38. Therefore be it known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who, what? Believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Listen, you try to justify and make yourself right in the sight of God by the law of Moses, it's not going to happen. But by faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified from all things. Say, but preacher, I've done this, I've done that. Faith in Jesus Christ, justified from all things. God doesn't see it. It's wiped away, white as snow. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. He's hurled them with His arm, as the prophet Isaiah said, and drowned them in the depths of the sea and turned His back on them, never to be brought up and charged against us ever again. Justified. Oh, dear lost person, do you want that position before God? Oh, to be clean in the sight of God, to be washed as white as snow, to be justified in His sight. I tell you, to behold, to look to the Lamb of God, which takes away all of your sin, all of it, to where God looks at you in Christ and He accepts you completely, 100% upon the ground and basis of Christ. Believe on Christ and you shall be saved, justified in His sight. He that believeth is justified from all things. Do you believe that about Christ? Do you believe that? On the sight of God, you're white as snow. Forgiveness completely, positionally before God. It's an amazing thing to think about. That faith must be in Christ. In other words, it's not just faith. A lot of people have faith in a lot of things. They believe in a lot of things. Your faith cannot be in the church. Your faith cannot be in the pastor. Your faith cannot be in your baptism. Your faith cannot be in any religious system. Your faith must be in Christ and Christ alone. Further in, in Romans chapter 5, it says this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
It is by faith that justification is applied unto us. In Galatians chapter 2, but it's not faith in just anything. It's not believing in your parents. It's, not, it's believing the gospel. It's not believing in any religious leader or ruler. In Galatians chapter uh, 2. In verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, should we have works as children of God? Absolutely, 100%. The Bible teaches that. But let me assure you from the Word of God that there is not one work you do that washes away one sin. There's not one work you can do. There's not a level of morality that you can reach in order to justify you in the sight of a holy God. You've committed too many sins when you committed the first one. None of your works can, can wipe that away. Further read. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith in Christ. It matters where your faith is rested. Then he says, and not by the works of the law. This is very clear language. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. It's very important to understand this. These, these, this terminology in the Word of God. When it comes to, to being made right in the sight of a holy God to be justified, legally declared by God, you are just, and only just, you are righteous in my sight. There's only one way. Only one person can do that for you. We have an advocate with Jesus Christ, the righteous. We are, we are the unrighteous, He is the righteous. We are the unjust, He is the justifier. He's the only one that can make us clean and right in the sight of God. Only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. Mediator, He's the only go-between. Jesus Christ and Christ alone. No man upon earth, no woman upon earth can unite us to God. Only Jesus Christ can do that. He is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And no man comes a Father but by Him. Simply by believing upon Jesus Christ, we are justified in the sight of God. You cannot depend upon one single work to cleanse away your sin, to wash it in any way. But that faith must be in Christ. It's not even believing in faith. It's believing in Jesus. It is the work of Christ, not our faith, which is the foundation of justification. Faith is the channel whereby we receive justification, but it's not trusting in our faith. It's trusting in Jesus Christ. Now, justification needs to be by faith for, for several reasons, but a couple really good reasons is one that it might be by grace. Now, this may sound simple to us, but... You know, uh, many in Christianity would say, oh yeah, we're saved by grace. Not too many would disagree with that. But for it to be, to be truly by grace, it must be 100% by grace and not, not one iota 
of any work that we may do. You add one work, one work to grace in salvation. Let me tell you what, it is no longer grace. In Romans 4, 16, it says this, Therefore it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is a father of us all. Now, listen, you cannot add one, one work to faith and salvation and then it uh, be what saves you. You cannot do anything to save yourself. To add one work in order to be justified before God would be no longer grace. Grace is unmerited and grace is free. But see, our nature is we want to do something. Don't we? we want to do something in order to make ourselves right with God. And when we realize that we cannot do anything, then we're at our wit's end, and we cannot do anything to make ourselves right with God, it is then that we realize we can't. And then we look totally and completely and entirely to the person of Christ. You must let go of every good notion that you may have of yourself, any good thought you have of yourself, and look alone to Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can justify you. We can't be of those that would say we're saved by grace through faith and, and be in agreement with Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, but then add, yeah, but we need to do. Listen, when it comes to salvation, there is no yeah, but. There is no also. Genuine faith does result in works. Genuine faith does result in works, but works has zero to do. Zero to do with you being justified in the sight of God. When you truly understand this, then we truly see that when it's truly by grace like this, that all boasting is gone. All boasting is gone. In Romans 3 and verse 27, after he we read up to verse 26 when he talks about this being justified by faith. He, he gives us obvious question, where is boasting then? In Romans 3, 27, it is excluded. He says, by what law? Of works? He says, no, but by the law of faith or the principle of faith. All boasting is gone. If works were involved whatsoever in our being justified, we would have a right to boast before others and even before God. We would be able to retain some glory because of the justification that we accomplished. However, because justification is solely and completely from the Lord, from the cause and ground to the means of it, then God gets all the glory. All of it. And you know what? And those who know this, and those who are readily, they are readily, happily, and willing to give Him all the glory. We don't desire any praise or any thanks unto ourselves because we know that He done it all. We are simply sinners that were in need of God's great mercy and not righteous at all to where we deserved it whatsoever. So justification is that legal position before God. Let us move on to sanctification because it's important to understand these differences. In John 17, 17, in our Lord's high priestly prayer, that Jesus is praying to the Father and He says this. He says to sanctify them 
through thy truth, for your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth, your word is truth. The word sanctify means to set apart from sin unto holiness. In, in a general sense, it means to cleanse, to purify, or to make holy. To separate, to set apart, or point to a holy, sacred, or religious use. Like God blessed the seventh day and He sanctified it. He set it apart as something different. So under the Jewish dispensation to sanctify the altar, to the, the temple, the priests, to purify them, to make them useful for God's service. Now to help us understand a little bit about what sanctification means, we, we look at it in contrast to justification. Justification, again, speaks of our positional holiness in Christ positional holiness in Christ. Sanctification speaks of our, the practical holiness of Christ that's being worked in our life and coming out. Us, it's us being made more into the image of Christ right now. When God sees me positionally, He sees all of Christ. But listen, I'm still growing in Christ in a very practical way as a believer. I think this is a really good quote to help us understand the difference between these two. Uh, C.J. Uh, Mahaney said this, Justification is being declared righteous. Sanctification is being made righteous. Justification is objective and a unilateral act of God. It relates to our position before God. Sanctification is subjective and a process in which we are daily involved. Listen, we don't have anything to do with our justification. But we do have a lot to do with our sanctification. We've got to be in the Word of God. That's what God uses to, to make us uh, more godly. He said justification is complete, total, and immediate at the moment of conversion. And he's right. Justification is instantaneous. As soon as we're in faith in Christ, we are justified. But sanctification, as he says, is progressive beginning at the moment we are converted and continuing until the moment we go to be with the Lord. These two doctrines, he said, are distinct yet inseparable, for God never justifies without sanctifying. And so we consider them differently, but they go hand in hand. Those whom Jesus justifies, those whom He draws to faith in Him, He's going to sanctify, and He's going to begin to set them apart from the world and to make them more like Himself. Another good quote by J. Harvey, he said, The Bible repeatedly emphasizes the legal aspects of justification. God does not make us righteous in that moment. God declares us righteous in that moment. Just like a judge passes sentence on the defendant in this courtroom. Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, God will over time make us more and more righteous in the way we live. This process is called sanctification. But we do not grow in sanctification in order to be justified. We grow in sanctification because we are justified. The declarative act of justification is gracious soil out of which grace-filled lives should flow. So hopefully you understand the difference. So in your life, so I want to be like Jesus. That is the result in the child of God as having been justified by faith we don't try to be like jesus so as to be accepted before god we're declared righteous in justification sanctification is the word that describes the ongoing process 
of being made more holy like He is holy. And back to what we've been looking at in, on, in, in our adult Bible class in the mornings in regards to abiding in Christ and the Word of God. Jesus said in John 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. What does He say next? Your Word is truth. So oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. If we love Jesus, we should want to be like Jesus. If we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be in the Word of God. The Word of God is what God uses to sanctify us, to make us more into the image right now of His Son. The Word of God separates us from the world. Sanctify means to set apart. You know why too many Christians are too much like the world? They're not in the Word of God enough. When you're in the Word of God, it works as a sanctifier. It works as something in our heart and life, and the way we think, the way we see, to divide us and to separate us from the world. If a person is a genuine believer but looking too much like the world, they're not in the Word. Because a Word sets you apart from the world. As believers, we have the Holy Spirit within us that desires holiness. And the Holy Spirit uses the divine Word to separate us more and more from the way of the world. In Hebrews chapter 4, a very familiar passage, but in verse 12, he says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We need the Word of God to know how to think and how to see and how to act, all of those things. We are bombarded every day by the, by the world's entertainment, its, its education, its environment. It influences the way we think and will lead us into a way which is not holy. Listen, we, the world is getting worse and worse. We understand that. What that means is that we need to be in the Word more and more. To divide us from that world. Because if we don't, we'll start thinking like the world thinks. Listen, we're out there in the world, it's so easy to get confused. Within the way we think, our moral compass forgets to look north for spiritual guidance. The issues of morality look more and more gray and we have a hard time discerning right from wrong. What can we possibly do? What can we do for our children? What can we do in our life to make sure that we don't go the way of the world? Abide in the Word of God and let His words abide in you. And the Word of God will divide in your mind the good from the bad. It can give some clarity to that gray area you're looking at. It will set our minds apart from the world's philosophies and help us to think clearly and rightly. The Word of God is holy, and it will make us holy, set apart from the world. Another good passage, I think, that help us see this is in Romans 12, a very familiar uh, portion here, but I love these verses in Romans 12. It really teaches how that we've got to stay on top of this as God's people. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body is a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God. Is he talking about to be justified? Is he talking about to be saved? No, he's not. 
Earlier in Romans, I mean, he's taught very clearly for a long time about how to be justified, how to be made right with God. But as a child of God, we are still called upon to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. We can do that. We're called upon to do that. He says, well, which is your reasonable service? It's about serving the Lord. And then he says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Folks, it seems like every week we're just trying to figure out right and wrong. Well, where do we go here? Where do we go there? Where's this line? Where's that line? We need some clarity. We've got to step away from the world. And we're trying to figure out, you know, the right way to think. We must yield ourselves completely to God. And our, our minds have got to be trans, transformed. Our minds have got to be changed. Our minds have got to be changed. They're transforming by the renewing of our minds. We've got to think right. We've got to think right how God would have us to think so that then we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why are Christians not proving what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God and are being swayed by the world? This word, this word is not transforming our minds. We're letting the world and the culture declare to us what we, how we're supposed to think. I want to think like God would have me to think. Not how one of the, the popular pastors would have me to think or the popular preachers would have me to think. I want to think how God would have me to think. It's so easy. We look up to people and admire people and people of, of, of stature in the Christian world and they say one thing and we're like, what? But the Word of God says another. We've got to think like God wants us to think. Be in the Word of God. Every day the world gets into our mind and we must be renewed by prayer, by the Word, by meditation, by worship. That we can prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. Because that, that sanctification, it begins in justification. We're made right with God. Listen, in sanctification. Sanctification begins at that point. But we as believers must be faithful to be in the Word of God for us to truly become more and more and more like Jesus Christ. We've got to think right before we do right. You know, we often cannot discern God's holy and perfect will because we're filled with the wrong things. Our minds, as said, must be transformed out of the way of the world and into the way of God. If we, need, if we must be led by the Spirit of God, and we must, we must be in the Word of God and not listen to the world. If we want to do the holy will of God, let us seek to be holy within by abiding in His Word and His Word abiding in us. And a holy heart and a holy mind as we pursue after that will help us to make holy decisions according to God's perfect will. And look, we need to throw this in, that while in this life, yes, before God, listen, judicially, positionally, we are seen as sinless. We're seen as sinless. We are righteous in the sight of God judicially. Now we've talked about sanctification, and we're talking about what? Being less sinful. 
as we mature in sanctification, we, we will not reach a place in this life practically, practically, where we are sinless. We're not going to get it. We still have this flesh that we struggle with. We grow in holiness, more in the image of Christ, practically, here, internally. All of that takes place. But we never reach a sinless state in this life, in this flesh. We should sin less, but we're not sinless. In sanctification, there is a time element. What happens over time as God works within us. But we're able to more and more hopefully to subdue the old nature that is still dwelling within us. The Scriptures do not teach that we are currently able in this life to obtain sinless perfection in a practical sense or even an inward sense because we, that's where sin starts. It starts in the heart. Out of the heart of man proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, adulteries, etc. Those who would teach sinless perfection would have to believe that God has either lowered His standard or that they are internally, practically, in every way, perfect. And folks, that is not going to happen. But it should not discourage us from the pursuit of Christ in our life. You know, if I don't know how to liken this. If, if you think of the perfect basketball player, perfect basketball player, I don't know. I, I don't even follow basketball enough to know. I know you wouldn't want me to mention LeBron James, um, but so far as playing basketball, we'll use him. If you thought he was the perfect basketball player, like who could be better than him, right? <laughs> somebody said somebody else. Daniel, you want to give me somebody? <laughs> what did you say? Oh, okay. I thought you said Joe Biden. I said, he can't play basketball. I really thought you said Joe Biden. <laughs> Don't do that. All right. uh, <laughs> but imagine the perfect basketball player, football player, or whatever. I mean, they're perfect. And you, in your mind, knew this because you're five foot three or whatever impossibilities or, or hindrances, whatever vertical challenge you may have. You know this for sure. That no matter how hard you tried, no matter how hard you worked at it, that you would never, ever be as good as them. It's not going to happen. And you knew that. So, but you like basketball. Or you like football. You love it. You adore it. You enjoy it. So do you just quit? Do you just give up? Because you're never going to attain to that stature, to that status. No. They can be an example and maybe how they play the sport. Whatever it may be. But because you love that sport, you're going to continue in it and keep doing it and enjoying it and you're going to get as good as you possibly can in your body that you're in even though you're five foot four. And for you people who are shorter than five foot four, I'm sorry to offend you. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? Christ is the ultimate. He's the hero. He's the greatest aspect and person of righteousness that can possibly be. And I adore Him and we love Him and we want, we want to be as righteous as He is righteous right now in this life. But I know I will never attain. I know I'll never make it to be that good and that righteous here in this life. 
But because I love Jesus and because I love righteousness, because of the Holy Spirit within me, I'm going to keep on by the grace of God to be as righteous as I can in this life. Not so as to justify me in the sight of God, but because His Holy Spirit lives in me and I want to be more and more and more like Jesus. I know I won't make it in this life completely, but oh, I love Him and I want to be like Him. You see that? And so it doesn't discourage us. It should motivate us and, and it gives us a, a level to pursue after. I believe that if we carefully study the Scriptures, we would actually come to understand that actually the more we grow in holiness and in likeness of Christ, that we would actually see more of our sin. It's, it's like the more you, you be like Him in this life and, and the more you get close to Him, it's like the more that light of His Word and your heart and your life and who He is even reveals things about yourself still that you say, oh, woe is me. Like the Apostle Paul who, who was no doubt walking with Jesus. I mean, God used him greatly. But he's the same man who later in his ministry said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He realized that the death thing, that he, the death trap he walked in as he struggled with the flesh, it's the same man that said that Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners and of whom he said, I am chief, not who was chief. He says, I am chief. When he looked at himself, he still seen himself as the chiefest of sinners. And I found that whenever my heart is actually right with God, and, and, and I'm in the Word, and I'm abiding, and I'm confessing, and I'm drawing near to the Savior, it's, it's in those times that sometimes I say the greatest, woe is me! I'm a man of unclean lips. And I'm a man, there's a heart that's prone to wickedness. And sometimes I can see the evilness of, of my own heart rise up in the midst of when I'm the closest to God. So, <laughs> becoming more holy doesn't mean that sin in, within us is completely banished. It means that it's being made more known sometimes. I hope that if you're here this morning and you have yet to come to faith in Jesus Christ, that you can understand the necessity of thinking about these two doctrines or teachings together. Because I want you to know this, that there is nothing that you can do, no matter how hard you may pursue to be more like Jesus practically in your life, to be a better person, to be a kinder person, to make sure you don't do this and that you do this, that that in no way whatsoever will wash away your sins before God. You can't do it. We're justified from all things by faith in Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and He's your all in all, He's your everything, He's the one that washes away all your sin, as we mentioned, then, then, by the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have that desire to be like Christ to live sanctified lives, to be set apart from the world, to think more like Jesus, to act more like Jesus. You need salvation first. 
justification first. And then God begins to sanctify us and to set us apart from the world unto His service to use us for His glory while we're here on this earth. And folks, I'm looking forward to the last and final stage of our complete salvation. Now we're judicially, we're completely saved already. But there's another form of salvation that's coming for the child of God. And you know what that's called? Glorification. And that's why the Bible says that even now is our salvation nearer than when we first believed. There's going to come a day when we will be completely saved from the very presence of sin completely. Completely banished in the lake of fire forever and ever. Completely gone with the old flesh and we have a new body, a glorified body that's likened unto Him. I'm looking forward to that. Are you? Do you really want that? You know, that's one of the signs that we have the Holy Spirit. We're looking forward, longing for the day when we will no longer struggle with sin, no longer fight it within, no longer struggle at all, be completely free, completely free from any desire of immorality, of unrighteousness. Do you really want that? Do you really want it? Folks, that's, that's a desire implanted within us by the Holy Spirit of God when He saves us by His grace. Father in heaven, I pray that You would help us, Lord, to see the distinct differences between these doctrines. And Father, I do pray for the lost that are here. Oh God, that You would draw them unto faith in Christ, that they would see that He's the only one that can justify them in Your sight. And I pray that we as Your people, Lord, would be encouraged this morning to go forth from here Lord, to be in the Word of God and the Word of God be in us, that we be set apart from this world and set apart unto You and to serve You faithfully in this life. Help us not to think like the world, to be like the world, but help us, Father, I pray, to give our lives as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto You, which is our reasonable service. We thank You for saving our souls by the blood of Christ. Help us to serve You faithfully in this life for what You've done for us. We love You. Help us to love you more, we pray in Jesus' name, and amen.